Well, as we seek God, we seek His face, and we seek more of Him in our life uh, than He promises to oblige, to uh, be real, present, and active in our lives. And as we're walking through um, Amos, and as we're coming to a, a close, what we've been reminded over and over again, that God loves us so much that He wants to be active, He wants His power to be real in every area of our life. He, he wants his, his righteousness, His justice, His love to pervade our lives and our relationships wherever we go. And what we'll see in His uh, words to Israel today from Amos um, it's how God will correct us, direct us, and even for a season may desert us in order that we might live godly lives. It's that important to Him. That He will take His energy to correct, to direct, and even desert us. For a time, so that we might seek Him and follow Him in every area of our life. Today we're going to look at Amos chapter 8, verses 1 through 12. It starts at the very bottom of page 748 in your pew Bible. You can uh, turn there or you can uh, follow along the screen. Let's uh, pray together. Dear Gracious Father, thank You again for Your written Word. Thank You for the presence of Your Spirit in our midst and, and thank You for Your active work in our lives wherever we go. And we ask now that You will be planting seeds, You will be renewing our minds, You will be at work in, in our very soul during these moments so, so that, as, as Jackie shared, that through the week... We will be walking with you. We will be hearing from you. We will be taking advantage of your active presence in our lives. Speak to us. In the name of Jesus we pray. Amen. Amos uh, chapter 8 starting with verse 1. Uh, remind you as we've been walking through for those that have forgotten or um, have uh, haven't been uh, with us. Uh, Amos is a, a prophet of God. But he's one who was really a shepherd. He was a tree farmer. And God called him from that place in order to speak his truth to the people of Israel in that day. Um, and, and so he, he's not a professional um, he, uh, prayer. He, he's not one that came in, uh, in robes and a stole. But one who came in the garb of a shepherd to speak God's truth to his people. Hear the word of the Lord. This is what the Lord God showed me. A basket of summer fruit. He said, Amos, what do you see? And I said, a basket of summer fruit. Then the Lord said to me, the end has come upon my people, Israel. I will never again pass them by. The songs of the temple shall become wailings in that day, says the Lord. The dead bodies shall be many Cast out in every place. Be silent. Hear this. 
You that trample on the needy and bring to ruin the poor of the land, saying, When will the new moon be over so that we may sell grain? And the Sabbath so that we may offer wheat for sale. We will make the ephah small and the shekel great and practice deceit with false balances, buying the poor for silver and the needy for a pair of sandals and selling the sweepings of the wheat. The Lord has sworn by the pride of Jacob. Surely I will never forget any of their deeds. Shall not the land tremble on this account? And everyone mourn who lives in it. And all of it rise like the Nile and be tossed about and sink again like the Nile of Egypt. On that day, says the Lord God, I will make the sun go down at noon and darken the earth in broad daylight. I will turn your feasts into mourning and all your songs into lamentation. I will bring sackcloth on all loins and baldness on every head. I will make it like the morning for an only son and the end of it like a bitter day. The time is surely coming, says the Lord God, when I will send a famine on the land. Not a famine of bread or a thirst for water, but of hearing the words of the Lord. They shall wander from sea to sea and from north to east. They shall run to and fro, seeking the word of the Lord, but they shall not find it. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Now, I want to note one thing at the beginning of uh, Amos' words, this vision. What would happen is Amos, as a prophet, God would give him visions, would give him sights in, in his mind or um, in front of him. And in this one, there's a, a vision of summer fruit. And this is one of those where we just totally lose it in the translation from Hebrew to English. The word summer fruit is really a very similar word to the word end. And so in a sense, they're almost, it's a poetic, it's, it's like it, they, they rhyme together. And what the, the vision of the, the basket of summer fruit is saying is the end is upon Israel. Uh, you might even note, if you look in the Pew Bible, there's even a, a, um, a little footnote uh, that tells you that how they're pronounced similarly. So Amos is, is telling Israel that, that the end is upon them. And it's because God is fulfilling His promises to them. That He has promised to, to correct them and to direct them and even to desert them if they desert Him all so that they might come back to follow Him. That, that they might worship Him. That they might walk in His ways. So, so we see at the beginning that God's going to correct them. In Every way of their life. He, he goes from preaching to meddling. He, he doesn't just talk about... As a matter of fact, he doesn't really focus on what they do in their worship gatherings. He focuses on what they do Monday through Friday. He, he focuses on their, how their attention is not on him, but how they're just ready to sort of check off We've talked about this in the last couple of weeks. Check off the religious responsibilities so they can get to making their profits. 
God wants every area of their life to be that overflowing, that waterfall of righteousness, justice, and love. The the key elements in Amos' day that have come up over and over again are how the, the, the people have secluded themselves from those who are in distress those who are poor, those who are in need, the the widows, the orphan, the broken, and the lost. Amos attacks Israel here because they have not only neglected, but even mistreated and abused those who are in need. Verse 4 and 5. Hear this, you that trample on the needy and bring to ruin the poor of the land, saying, when will the new moon be over so that we may sell grain? And the Sabbath so that we may offer wheat for sale. God's people in Amos' day were not concerned for the poor and the broken and the needy. And God says, you are disobeying me. You are in sin. Because the very character of God, thanksgiving to God, is to care for the broken and the needy and the lost. Now, in in our own lives, in our, our own political climate of the day, we can certainly argue and debate about the best ways that we minister and care for the broken, for the needy. But we must be engaged in that conversation. As a nation, as a community, as a city, as, as citizens who follow the way of God, we must be engaged in that conversation. We must be in, in, engaged fully in, in that endeavor because it is the very heart of God. And it is the very correction that He brought upon His people when they neglected that very conversation and those actions. Those that say social justice has nothing to do with the church have not read the Bible fully. Amos could be no more clear than to say this is part of the heart of God and it's what God's people who seek His face and heart, it will flow from them. But it's not only in our, the political realm of life where the discussion needs to be how do we best carry out this justice and righteousness. But it's in our everyday life also. In our everyday walking with God, eating, breathing, sleeping, working, studying life. That we also care for those in need, those who are lost, those who are broken, those who are in trouble in the moment. It's what we seek to be, to serve the world like Jesus, no matter the cost. Whether that need is brokenness, it's hunger, it's blindness, it's thirst. Physical, spiritual, emotional. It's why we we spend the energy and time and focus that we do on on ministries like Treehouse and and WizKids and Interfaith Hospitality Network, Feast of Love, the Pregnancy Care Center, Christ Community. And on and on. In your own lives. 
reminded the story of Jesus. That really is a New Testament parable that illustrates this very point. The parable of the Good Samaritan. Where Jesus was asked, what does it mean to, be a, a, to love your neighbor as yourself? He tells the story of the Good Samaritan. And this is true, the very nature of God from beginning to end. And so he was active in the life of Israel in that day because they had forgotten God's heart. They had neglected God's care for those that are broken and in need. So he was correcting them. He he was correcting not only their their heart, but also their actions. He even got involved in their business practices. Because their practices in their everyday life were dishonest and even abusive of those who were unaware, innocent, broken, and needy. At the very end of verse 5, we will make the ephah small and the shekel great and practice deceit with false balances, buying the poor for silver and the needy for a pair of sandals and selling the sweepings of the wheat. So they were sitting in church saying, All right, when's the preacher going to be finished? When's the last song so that we can get back out there and make use of the best practices that take advantage of our unknowing customer? I mean, that's what was happening. And God was distraught and brought correction to them. The, the ephah, in, in verse 5, the, the ephah is a measure of volume, like a gallon. The, the shekel is a measure of weight, like uh, an ounce or a pound. And what they would do in their practices in business is they would make the ephah, uh, which is the gallon, a little smaller than a gallon, really. You know, like I'm going to buy a gallon of wheat. Well, it was just a little bit shy of that amount. So that when they sold a gallon of wheat, well, it really was a little bit less than a gallon. So it was uh, able to increase their profit a little bit more. The, the shekel being a weight, well, that was the weight you'd put in the balance to weigh what the customers was paying you with, to weigh their amount of gold or silver. So you'd say, well, it's going to be one shekel. So you put your measure on there, which is one shekel, but it's a little bit more than a shekel. Yeah, but nobody would notice, and certainly the measurements in that day weren't uh, quite as fine as we might have them today. And so they'd sell really just a little bit less for just a little bit more, but nobody would know it. Well, so they thought. They knew it, and God knew it, and through Amos, God was saying it's time to stop that dishonest practice. He brings correction into all of life. Brings correction to us to ask, you know, where, where are we dishonest? Do we participate in business practices that cut things a little short? That take advantage of the unknowing consumer? 
take advantage of our bosses, take advantage of our employees? Are we cheating at work? Then stop. It's a sin. God despises it. You're cheating at school. Stop. God loves honesty. God's very character is truth. So be honest at work and at school. It's a good reminder to hear of Amos as we approach tax season or in the middle of it. I'm filling out forms all over the place. And those of you that are, have other students in financial aid, you know, and there was, there was one just this week where the question was, you know, have you received any undocumented income? Oh, man, undocumented income. I mean, the very question almost asks you to cheat, doesn't it? It's undocumented. They wouldn't know. You wouldn't know. Nobody could figure that one out. But the point is, I'm not living for them. I'm not living for anyone else. I'm living for a God who's a God of truth. And His truth does not stop anywhere. God's heart does not stop anywhere. His righteousness, His justice, His truth never stops. It pervades every area of life. Is there some area of life that you need God's correction today because being dishonest. God brings His correction. God brings His direction to us. Because He is faithful to His character, He is faithful to the promises of His Word. I mean, none of these claims that that Amos is bringing, that God is bringing to Israel about their care for the needy and the poor, their call to be honest in all that they do, none of these are unusual. These are all clear statements from Deuteronomy and Leviticus. He's, He's made it clear from His direction what He expects of His people, what He desires of His people, what will lead to the the fullness of life that He's created them, what will lead to the the fullness of His kingdom being experienced in their lives and the lives of others. And, And it includes these issues of justice, righteousness, and honesty. Deuteronomy 15, 7. If there is among you anyone in need a member of your community in any of your towns and in the land that the Lord your God is giving you, do not be hard-hearted or tight-fisted towards your needy neighbor. That was the, his uh, challenge to them from the very beginning. You should rather open your hand willingly, lending enough to meet the need, whatever it may be. Uh, jump to uh, verse 10, please. Thank you. Give liberally and be ungrudging when you do so. For on this account, the Lord your God will bless you in all your work and in all that you undertake. Verse 11. Since there will never cease to be some in need on the earth, I therefore command you, open your hand to the poor and needy neighbor in your land. See, it had been the charge in, this, in the very beginning. been a charge to God's people for them to fulfill. Um, go to, let's go to Deuteronomy 25, 13. Sorry, I'm switching up on them. 
You shall not have in your bag two kinds of weights, large and small. You shall not have in your house two kinds of measures, large and small. God had foreseen the the challenges of being honest and had laid this out for them since the very beginning. He had directed and corrected them to lead a life of honesty, lead a life of His righteousness and His justice in all of their practices. God directed, God corrected, and then to, to demonstrate just how serious the, the, the righteousness and the, the holiness, the, the justice and honesty of our life is, that God then deserts them. The, the end of the passage, you shall wander from sea to sea, from north to east, shall run to and fro, seeking the word of the Lord, but they shall not find it. There will be a famine of the word of the Lord to His people. This this issue of of living out God's character, God's character of of grace, of of mercy, of, of righteousness, of truth, is something of grand importance to God. It is of grand importance for His people to to live out according to His character. And in a sense, His last measure with His people was something that He had told He would do if they refused to follow Him. If they didn't worship Him with his, His whole life, with their whole lives. And so He went silent in a sense, giving them the silent treatment. Removing his, his, the active presence of His Word at that moment so that they would see, they would experience life without Him and turn and follow Him in repentance, in confession, running back to Him. And again, God directed this. He he saw this is what would happen. Leviticus 26, 42 through 45. Then will I remember my covenant with Jacob. I will remember also my covenant with Isaac and also my covenant with Abraham and I will remember the land. For the land shall be deserted by them and enjoy its Sabbath years by lying desolate without them while they shall make amends for their iniquity because they dared to spurn my ordinance and they abhorred my statutes. See, God was simply fulfilling His end of the bargain. He'd made a covenant with His people. Here is the way. And if you don't follow me, this is what I will do. I will separate you from the land for a season. Yet for all that, when they are in the land of their enemies, I mean, this is years, this is centuries before Amos came on the scene, centuries before they were taken into exile. But he knew that this would happen. Yet for all that, when they are in the land of their enemies, I will not spurn them 
or abhor them so as to destroy them utterly and break my covenant with them. For I am the Lord their God. But I will remember in their favor the covenant with their ancestors whom I brought out of the land of Egypt in the sight of the nations to be their God. I am the Lord. And as we close up with Amos next week, we'll come back to that very point, that all of this correction and direction and discipline that God brings is so that God's people will turn back to Him, so that they will fulfill their part of the covenant and will receive His grace, His mercy, and live out of His righteousness and His goodness, His truth, and His justice. God's grace, God's mercy, God's forgiveness. Even for Israel, God promises to never totally desert them, but only for a season so that they will turn and follow Him. God directs us, corrects us, and even deserts us for a season so that we might live according to His character, His righteousness, His justice, and His love. So I wonder for each of us to take a moment, hear, receive from the Spirit. What are the ways, what's the way that God's correcting us? That that God goes from preaching to meddling. That He he enters into our, our lives, the fullness of our lives. And we... Experience, He reveals to us the ways we don't pursue His truth, His righteousness, His justice, and His love at work, at school, at home, in our communities, in our neighborhoods. He's active. He's speaking to us. It's a sign of His love. It's a sign of His grace and His mercy that He will lead and guide us according to His very character for our good, for His glory, and for the salvation of the world. Because as was true then, is true now. What the world needed was a group of people who were sold out for God. That's why He chose Israel. That's why He brought them out of Egypt into the promised land. It's why He has rescued me and you. It's why He has rescued us together to be a people that are formed by His character. You know it's hard. You know it's hard to live by His character. It's really hard not to just overlook that one little question on that form. It's really hard not to cut corners. I mean, everybody else is doing it. But we don't live like everybody else. And that's God's word to us. He has chosen us so that we will live according to His character. He will actively be directing us and correcting us so that we follow Him and so that He doesn't desert us even for a season to wake us up. There may even be somebody here who feels deserted. And you know it's because of choices you've made. 
that that you have pursued other ways than God. You've given lip service to God, but you've really given your heart to something else. And, And you're feeling that at this moment. You're feeling that God has, in a sense, deserted you for a season. And if that's the case, then praise God. Give thanks that that you feel that and you recognize that so that today would be the day of repentance. That you would turn back to God to receive His grace and mercy and be willing for Him to empower you to change your heart, to change your actions, to change the very essence of life, that it would be in accordance with His character. God loves us so much and He loves the world so much that He refuses to just sort of rescue us and let us go. He wants to continue to work in us, to transform us according to His character for our good and for the salvation of the world. Amen.